The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Saturday, September 30th. Yes, it is the final day of September, the second to last day of the MLB regular season. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Drew Silva. Uh, we're going to be keeping things positive today. We're going to be doing five up a piece from the Friday action. Also doing a look at uh, some headlines and offering a streaming option. And let's get into those headlines. Drew, it is far from uncommon to see managers fired in a regular season. It's a little weird to see a manager fired with only three games left, but we saw that happen with Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I think the timing was pretty strange. Um, but Giants president Farhan Zaidi said he informed Kapler that he was going to be let go during an hour-long discussion, assuming that was sometime Friday morning or afternoon. I guess it could have been overnight on, sure. on Thursday. There were little rumors coming out that it might happen, and then it finally happened. Finally, the news broke on, on Friday evening. And asked for the, the main reason the Giants decided to let go of Kapler's 80, said pretty simply, we played our worst baseball when it mattered most. Um, mm. Kai Correa will manage the, the final weekend or these final two games now as the interim skipper. And the Giants are hoping to have a new full-time manager in place by the start of free agency in early November. I feel bad for Kapler and not just because he's like an old Twitter friend of mine before he got into managing. We used to like rank hip hop records and talk about food back when Twitter or X was fun. Um, but sure. he managed this team to a franchise record, 107 wins in 2021 with what was not a stellar roster. And yeah. then the roster just got progressively worse over the next two years, this year included like from the outside looking in, it, it's obviously a roster construction issue in San Francisco, not an issue with the on-field manager, but we know how that goes. We know how the baseball world works and how the world works. You know, you, you throw the underlings under, under the bus when, you know, the higher ups are not doing their job. I'll, I'll call Kapler a scapegoat. I, I'll acknowledge that we don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. The timing right. of this makes me think maybe something went down. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's so funny how these manager of the year awards have worked recently. Like Kapler won it in 2021 with that 107 win regular season. He gets canned within two years. Mike Schilt with the Cardinals, similar story. Uh, won it in 2020, gets canned within two years. Buck Showalter can meet the same fate at some point soon if if the Mets decide to move on. 
you know, I saw this stat 34, 34.6% of winners of the man of manager of the year have been fired within two years. I don't, I don't know what that means. Probably that the award's kind of silly, uh, but also that sports teams tend to move on quickly, maybe too quickly. The old, what have you done for me lately adage? Uh, it's a highly attractive job. They'll have their pick of candidates and Kapler will find some other role in baseball and you know, maybe on the media side, if, if he would want to dive back into that, but I'm, um, yeah, there are going to be other managerial openings. And I think generally he did a good job with what he was given. Yeah, I don't think like he didn't stand out to me as a bad manager. I don't know if he stood out to me as a good manager either, if I'm being completely honest with you either. And who knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes, that type of stuff. And I think that is, honestly the most important thing and it's one of the reasons why i think manager of the year is silly is it's impossible to quantify like it is impossible yeah. to know what is going on in those backstage things you know and behind the scenes is so important for a manager more so than these decisions in part because i think people forget sometimes these decisions aren't being made by managers very often anymore the front office is setting so much in decisions in terms of yeah. lineups in terms of bullpen usage so yeah, not my like favorite manager in baseball, but certainly not a guy who did an abhorrent job either. I am sure he will land on his feet either as a uh, front office type of guy, as a uh, model or some male model. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to be just an fine. influencer. Um, it could be like an Instagram influencer, some oh, kind of like vitamin sure. supplement company i don't i think abercrombie is done but they, 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 if they weren't they could definitely use a guy like gabe kapler um speaking of being able to use a guy uh the cubs who are just on the precipice of being out of this thing yep. but did get some help uh adbert azalea returned from the injured list he's had a very strong season um might be too little too late but they do get a very nice arm in the back of their bullpen for possibly just possibly a postseason run. Yeah. Azalea activated off the 15-day IL ahead of the Cubs series opener at Milwaukee on Friday and worked a scoreless in eighth inning in that game. Um, so a nice return for a, a guy who had emerged as a, a big-time real-life and fantasy closer before his forearm strain popped up in early September. But, yeah, in, in real-life terms, it might not really matter in the right. end for the Cubs, uh, who lost that game Friday at American Family Field. Ian Happ hit a game-tying um, homer in the top of the ninth inning, went for naught. The Cubs actually lo loaded the bases as well in the top of the 10th, couldn't score. Carlos yep. Santana and the Brewers walk it off an extra. So the Cubs have lost uh, the last three nights or last three games started by Darius Vines, A.J. smith Shaver, and Colin Ray is, is who they yeah. lost to three straight. And, yeah, cool. with, with two games to go, their playoff odds are down to 3.9% on fan graphs so the diamondbacks and marlins appear locked into those final two nl wildcard spots barring some chaos on saturday and sunday which we've seen before man according to those same fan graph odds the cubs were at 92.4 percent to make the playoffs on september 6th that was after a sweep right. of the giants so it's been quite a fall off for them and on the marlins side of things as we just look at this entire nl wildcard picture they won four to three on friday at pittsburgh to move one and a half games up up on the NL wildcards on the third NL wildcard spot going into play on Saturday. They also had that suspended game 
that could be finished on Monday if it, if it has to be. That's a potential win there over the Mets. Were they leading like 2-1 in the ninth yes. inning? Um, so that's yeah. like sort of a game in hand for the Marlins. And Miami's now 33-13 and 13 in one-run games this year. Uh, what are the Padres in one-run games? I, I meant I had that. I had that tab. Oh, and 147. I, it's I, I bad. Don't care what, um, the, I don't care what the numbers say. That's their record. It's eight and 23 compared to the Marlins at 33 and 13 in, in one run games. Now there, there's definitely some luck involved with being able to win one run games. It can, it yes. can flip good luck and bad luck. I, I, I think um, winning a bunch of one run games was part of the Marlins surprise run to the playoffs in that COVID affected season when there was a, an expanded field. Uh, but, hey, you know, a win's a win, and it sure looks like they're headed to the playoffs in what would be a, a full season for the first time since 2003, and that's when they won the World Series. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's uh, – look. I don't know well, if they're going to win the World Series this year, but uh, – Probably not, but they're going to have as good a chance as anybody, like just because, you know, they're going to start 0-0 zero and zero in the postseason, assuming they get there. It is worth pointing out that in that – uh, game they're leading 2-1. There are a couple of runners on base for the Mets, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And But it's just, you know, I think they only need to get one or two outs. I can't remember exactly. But, uh, by the way, uh, no one-run stuff as a team that's a fan of the fun differential, uh, those Seattle Mariners who had a lot yeah, of luck with right. one-run games. Not that's a right. lot of r- luck this year, actually, with uh, one-run wins, although they got a big one on Friday, thanks to my son, J.P. Crawford. Uh, John Gray lands on the injured list with forearm tightness. Not great timing here, Drew. He's supposed to start on Sunday against my Seattle Mariners in a division race that is just fascinating. It is uh, Drew and I talked about this uh, off air a little while ago. It is weird to look at because as a Seattle Mariner fan, I am both rooting and rooting against the Houston Astros right now because if it's a three-way tie, mm-hmm. the Seattle Mariners win the West. But they also have to catch the Astros and are a game behind them. So they need the Astros to win one game and lose one game. It's just a big old mess. And if I was a neutral party, it would be really fun. As a biased, biased, very biased fan, I hate every minute of this. Yeah, I mean, the John Gray situation, it's it's another tricky element here for the Rangers who've had loads of pitching problems in the second half. Um, yeah, he left his start Monday against the Angels because of wrist and forearm tightness and now shut down early with what's being called a, a lower forearm injury. He could have made one final regular season start, as you mentioned, this weekend in Seattle, a crucial series there on all fronts, as you laid out. But now Gray's out at least through the ALDS if if the Rangers even get there. Uh, Gray had a 3.29 ERA at the All-Star break. We were talking him up. It, it seemed like he was having putting together like his a real complete season. Uh, yeah. But then just three quality starts in the second half. Overall, a 5.32 ERA in six, 64 innings since the All-Star break. Was giving up a lot of homers. Like definitely hitting a wall even before the injury. So maybe it was, it's been a lingering thing. You know, Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Eovaldi, and Dane Dunning were probably – locked into the Rangers postseason rotation anyway, but more depth problems for that pitching staff. And 
who were they starting in these final two games against the Mariners? It was in flux even as as early as I mean as as late as midnight my time on Friday, and yeah. I don't even know if they've they've said it yet. It was maybe going to be like Andrew Heaney or Martin Perez on Saturday, and then a bullpen yeah. game with Cody Bradford on Sunday. I believe is is still the plan. So yeah, we were talking, man. If the Mariners can pull off a three game sweep, which are you scared that it looks like it's favorable for them to do that right now? Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. I'm terrified because they have Luis Castillo and they have George right. Kirby on the mound. So they should in theory win both of these games, you know, obviously Texas's offense can put them uh, into play, but this is just like, this is insane. Like it is so weird because you have to have, Houston lose one game, but they can't lose more than one game in order to win the division. And with these new rules, winning the division is just so important now, which I hate. I hate how much I'm not going to go into the whole last time, I promise. But it is, I don't love that geography determines so much about this, but there's no doubt that the R is very big games. And uh, yeah, I'll probably survive it. Uh, uh, the other uh, side of the uh, West, Charlie Blackman. Yeah, I the threw Rockies. this into our sheet. <laughs> yeah, like the sure Rockies sheet. are going to Rocky. Charlie Blackman gets a contract extension. They're fun, Drew. They're just a lot of fun. One year, $13 million, um, with him, $2 man. million dollars in incentives based on plate appearances. I, I don't really have anything for you on this. I I guess it's cool. Like, you know, Blackman was drafted by the Rockies in 2008. He's going to finish his career there. Um, yep. And if he was going to have any fantasy value in his age 37, 38 season, he turns 38 next July, it, it would have to be with the help of course Field. So there's that. Uh, it just feels yeah. like the Rockies are – a weird franchise and just in a weird place as a franchise to be given out legacy style contracts. But yeah, it's kind of what they do. The, the Daniel Bard thing, Herman Marquez to a certain degree. I, I don't know. They, they kind of just keep spinning their tires, uh, but good for Blackman. He's, yeah. he's played well recently. He's looked athletic. Yeah. Um, it's been a nice fit. He's a fan favorite. I don't know that he needed the, 13 million dollars I, I feel like that could have been allocated differently if it was going to cost that much to retain him for his age 38 campaign but um i'm a cardinals fan and they do this kind of crap too does dick munford really not need another 13 million though i mean that that's that i'm fine with that i i'm totally fine okay. with charlie blackman yeah. going to get his bag man and he has had a nice season 285 370 on base percentage he doesn't have the pop that he once had I mean, I think people easily forget that this guy was like a fantasy superstar not that long ago, like a guy that you were talking about taking with like a top five pick. Now, you know, more of an NL only type of play doesn't strike out a lot, which is kind of nice for points leagues and stuff like that. But isn't that crazy that this was once one of the very, very best fantasy plays in baseball? And remember, he like evolved because early on in his career, like he was a, a steals guy and a, a batting yeah. average guy, and then he became a power guy. Yeah, I mean, he's been. I started writing professionally about fantasy baseball in 2008. That's when he was drafted. He's been in my life since I've been like a semi-responsible adult. You know, well, and like well. I've, I've watched the evolution. It's it's cool to see him finish his career there. I just I don't where, where are the Rockies going? Uh, nowhere and getting there awfully 
awfully fast. Although I will say they do have a really good farm system now. They have yeah. some really intriguing young talents. Nico Tovar like... taking a step forward. Yeah, Nolan Jones yep. looks like he's a real player. Oh, sure. I, I yeah. mean, they need pitching. They're going to always need pitching. And um, yes. I don't know. I, 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 I don't I like I would love to be a baseball general manager, but doing it in Colorado, like there's a reason why their their front office is is weird and they have like you know they don't attract the best talent necessarily to those roles a hundred percent and it's like such an uphill battle i would argue that it's probably the hardest job in baseball and yet they've been to one more world series than my seattle mariners mm. we'll get into our five up a piece from friday but first we're going to take a very quick commercial break we know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air, speaking of Colorado, is really doing to the ball. That home run forecast gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can access the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So like we said, we're going to be all positive. We're not going to go over the five down. Um, I guess we just crapped on the Rockies uh, in the last section so that we can be positive about some players. And Drew, why don't you start with a uh, pitcher that we both, I think, like quite a bit, who had a very nice start as he works his way back from a significant injury. Yeah. All, all positive here, so we don't have to talk about Carlos Rodon. I'm not sure if you saw that. Oh, um, oh why did I ever see it? <laughs> I guess for people who don't, who don't know, on, on Friday oh. night in Kansas City, he became the third starting pitcher ever to be charged with eight earned runs while recording no outs. Uh, I love you, Carlos. The first, but... Yeah, I, I, he's a great dude, and there was kind of that, thing on the mound where he sort of turned his back on Yankees pitching coach. He apologized profusely afterward, but I mean that yeah. the first year of that six year, $162 million deal. I know it's cliche to say, but 
I'm sure he feels really bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, only um, but, only yeah. go up. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he could totally rally back next year. It's it's good that he at least like finished the year healthy. We'll say there that. You go. Yeah, J- John awesome. Means. Uh, we're we're starting off. Yeah, we're keeping it positive on this final regular season show. John Means, who flirted with a no hitter last weekend against the Guardians, had had another no no flirtation of sorts Friday night against the Red Sox. Didn't allow a hit until Rob Ref Snyder's double in the fifth inning, which was followed by a Trevor Story two-run homer. But then Means settled in, rallied back from that, worked into the seventh inning on 82 pitches. No walks, four strikeouts. Um, he's been impressive since returning from Tommy John's surgery and then that back injury in May. Just what the doctor ordered, really, for the Orioles, like needing a consistent starter who can dominate for stretches, like maybe not dominate with a, a bunch of swing and miss, but mm-hmm. efficient with the run prevention and that's such a nice fit for him at Camden Yards now being more pitcher friendly I'm high on what means can be in fantasy going into next season what he can do for the Orioles in the playoffs with home field advantage um I guess it's a good time to mention the Orioles lost that game three nothing to Boston on Friday not that it matters Adley Rutschman and Ramon Urias were scratched from the lineup following Thursday night's AL East clinching party. I get the vibe they might have just partied too hard, and and who can criticize that? Official yeah. word was that they were both under the weather. Uh, you got to hydrate, fellas. I know you're young, but you got to hydrate. Uh, but yeah, means now with with a two point six six ERA and twenty three and two third innings since returning from Tommy John's surgery. Not a ton of strikeouts, but he's getting the job done and. Um, going to be a huge piece of that Orioles pitching staff if they're going to make a deep run. They, they just they need a guy exactly like him. I, I wanted them to do more at the deadline pitching wise, but you know, getting means back was like making a trade. The old GM line. Yes, yeah, that is that is some GM speak for sure. Uh, I will say I'm a little bit mad at means. I had the over 4.5 strikeouts, and uh, he was pitching really well, but didn't quite get there. But another strong start. It's a big return, I think, for Baltimore. I think he's going to play a major factor in their postseason run, uh, for better or worse. I think that uh, Means is kind of that guy, that upside guy, that I think can be a really nice play for that rotation. Uh, My first up is going to be the guy I just talked about a little bit ago, my son, J.P. Crawford. Goes one for three with a grand slam home run. Also draws a walk because, of course, he did. J.P. Crawford is among the best in baseball drawing walks this year. And I just don't think he's gotten quite enough attention for having an absolutely outstanding season, especially if you play in on-base percentage leagues. 266 average, which, you know, is what it is. 381 on-base percentage and a 440 slugging percentage, Drew. And there's never been a question about J.P. Crawford's plate skills. But the power has started showing up this year. It's been pointed out ad nauseum that he worked with driveline uh, during the uh, offseason. And it appears to have paid off in a big way because he started to drive the baseball to the opposite field. You know, you'll take a look at the numbers and see that the hard contact isn't anywhere close to elite, but it's good enough. It's good enough. And he's barreling the baseball enough. You know, I have my issues with J.P. Crawford's defense at shortstop. I think he'd be better off at second base, and I still wish the Mariners would have gotten a shortstop and moved him to second base. Um, but there is no denying that J.P. Crawford has been one of the better offensive shortstops in baseball this year. And I'm going to be fascinated to see where he goes in drafts next year because he's going to be hitting at that top of the lineup right behind Julio Rodriguez, who's had a mixed year but way more good than bad when you take a look at the overall fantasy oh, yeah. numbers especially. I'm going to be fascinated to see where he goes because he is a guy 
who has a chance to be among the league leaders in runs to give you a decent amount of homers. Now he now has 19 on the season has a chance to finish with a 20 homer season for the first time in his career. Probably not going to drive in a ton of runs. And again, he is more on base percentage than average, but those numbers with the runs and the home runs and, you know, the chance to drive himself in, he's a really interesting fantasy option to begin 2024. And anybody who took a risk on him in 2023 has to be feeling pretty darn smart right now. Yeah. It, it's not such like a situational teammate dependent profile for him anymore. Like yeah. he can do stuff on his own a lot more than he could in the early part of his career. He, he's we talked about Charlie Blackman evolving as a player. JP Crawford, just the development there is really yeah. encouraging. I, I agree with you. It may, would make a lot of sense to put him at, at second base um, moving forward, but yeah, he, he's, he's yeah. been a huge part of stirring the drink there for, for your Mariners. Um, for sure. My other up on, on the flip side of that John means start, I'll, I'll just jump right into it. My other, my second up from Friday is, is Nick Pavetta, who outdueled John Means in that three-nothing win for the Red Sox, maybe against a, a sleepy, hungover Orioles lineup, but still an impressive <laughs> stat yeah. line to cap off what was a topsy-turvy year for Pavetta, taking on different, often changing roles on the Boston pitching staff. On Friday, he had 10 strikeouts, only one walk, two hits, over seven scoreless innings. He also threw seven scoreless innings in his second to last turn of the rotation last Saturday against the White Sox. And the only Red Sox pitchers to throw seven plus scoreless innings in each of their final two outings in a season. Listen to this list. It, Cy Young in 1904, Mel Parnell in 1953, Roger Clemens in 1987, and now Nick Pavetta in 2023. The, the only pitchers in Red Sox history to finish with seven plus scoreless innings in their final two outings. Um, wow. Some more fun numbers here. Uh, Nick Pavetta finished the year with a 31.1% strikeout rate. That's the seventh highest strikeout rate in a season in Red Sox history by a pitcher with 100-plus innings. Pedro Martinez and Chris Sale are the only other pitchers on that list. They both did it three times. Pavetta threw as many as 104 pitches in a game this year and as few as four. He had a three-inning save. He threw six hitless innings and a relief outing. He made three starts of seven-plus innings. Like He did everything for the Red Sox. The overall numbers, like the ERA, the ratios aren't, aren't spectacular. But the strikeouts and, and the way that they were able to put him in any role and and he pretty much, you know, would flourish. It may, maybe took some time for him to adjust. It just there's a crazy year for him, and I think a pretty successful year overall. Arbitration eligible this winter. It'll be his final year of arbitration. Maybe a trade candidate, like some other team could fall in love with the swing and miss stuff that he showed, the ability to to work as a swing man or you know, the Rays maybe like fall in love with the idea that he could be a traditional starter like they did with Zach Eflin or, or some other team I, I think is going to be interested if if the Red Sox put him out there on the trade block, not wanting to pay his raise in arbitration. He's the type of pitcher the Red Sox need, but we'll see what happens with that front office getting a big overhaul. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. There's no doubt that Nick Pavetta's had a very strong season. I congratulate him. I will not touch him with a 10-foot pole. I do not trust you, Nick Pavetta. I never will. Uh, Nick Martinez is the starting pitcher that I'm going to profile. Five innings of shutout baseball allows just two hits with two walks and eight strikeouts. He has been excellent in the month of September. Now, has only made a few uh, outings over three innings, but in 19 innings in September, he allows just one earned run with a 23-6 to strikeout-to-walk ratio for that 0.5. 
4-7 ERA. And I think what I've come away with is Nick Martinez can be a good starting pitcher. And I think that he's going to get that chance for San Diego next year. I'm probably going to be investing in Nick Martinez in late rounds next year, assuming he does get that chance to be that starter. Uh, I've been impressed with what I saw. Sure, it was against a White Sox lineup that is absolutely dreadful. It's worth pointing out Dylan Cease. That was a nice pitching matchup as well. Dylan Cease had a nice end to his season, what what can only be described as one of the more disappointing campaigns. Some of it not his fault, but some of it was absolutely his fault. Uh, But yeah, I was really impressed with Nick Martinez yesterday. I've been impressed with Nick Martinez for the most part when he's gotten the chance to go deeper into games. And I think the Padres should give him that chance next year to be either that fourth or fifth starter. And assuming that the Padres bounce back, and I do think they will, that could be fantasy fruitful. Yeah, I I would imagine the Padres are going to lose Blake Snell in free agency. Like, I I don't think they'll pay him the money that he's going to get. They're going to like... I don't think they're going to spend as aggressively as they've they've done the last Correct. two off seasons. I, I think that's fair to yeah. say. So I, there should be a rotation slot open to Martinez, um, and I, I agree. I, I, he's going to be a very popular like late round sleeper pick. Yeah. Um, with with what he's shown in stretches this year, another up for me, Ronald Acuna Jr. Again, he's mm-hmm. always up any day on a Friday, on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, it's it's been Acuna's year, man. He made only two plate appearances and played only two innings in the outfield on Friday against the Nationals, but that was enough for him to pick up another hit, another RBI, and two more stolen bases to give him 72 on the season, which is now tied with Otis Nixon for Atlanta's single season franchise record. Nixon did that in 1991, the 72 steals, and the rest of his stat line that year: zero homers, 26 RBIs, and a 689. OPS Acuna this year beyond the 72 steals, 42 homers, 106 RBIs, 147 runs scored, and a 1009 OPS, also a 336 batting average. <laughs> like elite, elite full category fantasy coverage in route to a likely NL MVP honor when those awards are announced in November. Atlanta has a, a long layover coming. Uh, pretty much getting a full week off with the NLDS not starting up until next Saturday. They're going to do some simulated games at, at Truist Park to try and stay fresh this week or this coming week and, and avoid a division series ouster like what happened last year against the Phillies. It's it's a tough thing for navigate for these teams that clinch early, but you know and uh, it's it's hard to to quantify what exactly that means for their playoff odds. Acuna will be ready to make some noise next week and I, I have no doubt about that at least yeah I mean just a special baseball player having a very special season I mean we've talked about him a lot during these shows but there's been reason for it man he has just absolutely earned that first overall draft pick that was used on him in the, the majority of leagues and then some uh, Bobby Wood Jr. is uh, having a pretty darn good season himself. He goes two for three in that awful start for Carlos Rodon that you mentioned. Uh, does hit a homer. Also draws a walk, and it's been nice to see some patience from him as, lately mm-hmm. as well. Uh, three walks in the last five games. He is now up to 30 homers, and he is one stolen base away from joining the 30-50 club. Not a very common club at that Um will be interesting to see. I think they'll definitely let him run in one of these final couple of games. After yeah. kind of a slow start, Wood Jr. has looked like one of the very best young talents in baseball. And you see why this guy was the second overall pick. In fact, you 
sometimes wonder why he wasn't the first overall pick. And then you go, oh, Adley Rutschman, I understand that now. What a special draft class that yeah. has a chance to be. Um, he does have to show more uh, plate approach for me, like in order to take that next jump into superstardom. Um, 120 strikeouts isn't great, but it's not abhorrent in today's game. There, Everything is here for Bobby Wood Jr. to be like a potential first overall pick in fantasy drafts. It certainly won't be next year, but I think he will be a first round pick and justifiably so because he can help in every single fantasy category, especially in five by fives. Just a really great year for a really, really bad baseball team. Yeah, that that's probably the thing. Like for casual fans that maybe don't play fantasy baseball, he, he's probably flown yeah. really under the radar, but yeah. he has met the hype and then some like for as far as what we thought he could be and the, the arrows pointing up, like he's taken the right kind of strides throughout this season. And even dating back to last season, like the counting stats are there. I think the rate stats are just going to improve. He's, he's got superstar ability and, and hopefully the, the Royals can keep building around that. Um, I guess I like some of their young pitchers. I don't know. I feel like I've been saying that for the last decade, uh, but, but maybe they'll, they'll, they'll turn the corner at some point. Cole Reagans, man, he could be legit. Um, My other, what is this? My, my fourth up from Friday. Again, we're keeping it all positive on this, this show. It's going to be Matt Chapman. And I've said it before on this podcast, other podcasts. I I like what the blue Jays are bringing to the table going into the postseason. They had a big 11 to four win over the Rays on Friday, a statement victory, you know, with those teams likely to match up in a best of three wildcard series next week, that's pretty much locked in. Um, George Springer, Brandon Belt, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Bo Bichette is such a dangerous top of the lineup structure for any opposing pitching staff to have to tangle with. And then you throw in Matt Chapman now as becoming a more dangerous dude. He homered Friday. It was a no doubter. Um, 109 miles per hour off his bat went 420 feet. His second home run as many games. That further lengthens that lineup when Chapman is going strong. It can be productive top to bottom, the Blue Jays lineup, when everything's clicking. Chapman's had some ugly months this year. August was especially not great. It looked like, I mean, there were rumors maybe he was hurting. Uh, But he's been a streaky hitter with the power over the course of his career going back to Oakland. And, I don't know, might now be getting hot at the right time. The Blue Jays' odds to win the World Series on DraftKings is plus 1,600. I like grabbing a small taste of that. Let me just run through the odds real quick because I, I looked it up this morning. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta at plus 310, Dodgers at plus 425, Orioles plus 700, Rangers plus 800, Astros plus 950, Rays plus 1,000, Phillies plus 1,400, Blue Jays plus 1,600, Brewers plus 1,800, Twins plus 1,800, Diamondbacks plus 3,000, your Mariners plus 3,000, Marlins plus 3,000, Reds and Cubs are kind of off the board at this point. Um, But among those, I think the Blue Jays at plus 1,600 is really singing to me, especially when you compare it to the Rays at plus 1,000 going into that best of three wildcard series. Hey, it's a best of three series. Anything can happen, and it's going to be at Tampa Bay all three games. Yeah, but I I like the Blue Jays to get through there, and then it's anyone's game in the AL once we get to the actual like five game and seven game series. Absolutely, they're as talented, if not more talented, than anybody in baseball. They have a good rotation. They mm-hmm. have a solid enough bullpen. You know, the offense has disappointed. There's no question about that. And I will tell you, it's I follow way too many Toronto Blue Jay fans on Twitter. 
<laughs> some people were getting awfully frustrated with Chapman after a couple of really bad at bats, and now the the t- the tides have turned a little bit. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how he finishes because, look, I think he's going to get a big contract in free agency anyway. A strong showing in October could lead to a like mm-hmm. an absolutely massive contract. Would not be the first time that we see something like that. Uh, Jose Arquiti is going to be my fourth positive. Uh, was not supposed to start, but JP France ended up being scratched to a, to a family emergency, and he was more than capable in that start. Gets the win with six scoreless innings. Um, Arquiti has, you know, not necessarily been uh, a very good option this year. 5.29 ERA, uh, 45 to 25 strikeout to walk ratio, so through 63 innings is not what you're signing up for. But I think he's going to be an interesting pitcher to watch going forward because I imagine he might be pitching for a new organization next year. And if he's pitching for a new organization, we've seen Urquidy at times look like a more than competent starting option. If he gets a chance to join a rotation and assuming it's not Colorado or, you know, in Kansas City where you're probably doomed to have a pretty poor win loss record. And that still is always going to matter in fantasy baseball. He's kind of a buy low candidate for me. And you saw on Friday that he does have the stuff and the command to be a decent starting option. You know, he doesn't have elite swing and miss stuff and never will. But I do think he's somebody that makes sense if he's not playing for Houston next year as a buy low fantasy option. Yeah, the Astros had the luxury of sticking him in long relief for much of the year, and not right. many teams have that luxury. He would have been on most starting staffs around the league. Yeah, and for he sure. showed what he's capable of doing on, on Friday. He'll be a nice – uh, the JP France thing too. His his wife tweeted that there was some kind of a, a medical emergency with one of their young kids, um, oh. and it and it sounds like everything's fine. So like maybe he's he's probably going to throw some innings this weekend as as the Astros. You know they they need all the innings they can get. It, it was it was for huge sure. for Akiti to to pitch as deep as he did on Friday, uh, but yeah. I think we will see France at some point this weekend, and then we'll see what happens going into. To obviously the the big games in the playoffs, who who fills out that rotation? But yeah, nice weapon to have, and and I agree with you. I think he's definitely a trade candidate, and I would be intrigued to see where he lands. I wouldn't mind seeing him at Bush Stadium. I think that's be a there really good fit with with his arsenal, and that's Perfect. what the Cardinals are going to be looking for, man. Like starters that maybe it didn't work out exactly in their previous spot, but there's talent there that can be developed. Yep, exactly. Um, My final up from Friday is going to be Miguel Cabrera. Just, you know, give him his flowers to cap things off here on his final weekend as a major leaguer. And it's cool that he gets to celebrate it at Comerica Park in Detroit, which had a great crowd Friday. I think it was around 35,000 for a losing team. That's nice to see Cabrera reached base in four of his five plate appearances Friday and the Tigers lost to the Guardians. He went three for four with two doubles, a single, and a hit by pitch. The doubles give him 625 for his career. That moves him past wow. the great Hank Aaron for 13th on the all-time doubles leaderboard. He's at 30 yeah, he's at 3170 career hits right now. He's expected to start the Tigers final two games, 511 career home runs i think it'd be really cool to see home run number 512 before miguel cabrera hangs it up for good an incredible career he's another guy like that going back to before charlie blackman who's been part of my baseball worldview um since i became a, a baseball fan and like a baseball analyst or whatever you want to call me in that regard 
I don't know what I want to call you to be. Yeah, don't let's let's move on. We don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to delve too far to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Miguel Cabrera. Also, it's not quite Albert Pujols esque, but he's somebody you're going to look at the total numbers, and they're not going to necessarily indicate just how dominant he was. Like the counting stats for sure, but like average that type of stuff, and like even slugging percentage. Like this was one of the truly elite power hitters that saw some of his pop sapped as he got a little bit older um, and got a um, maybe a little more comfortable <laughs> in his later. He made years. a lot of money. Uh, he made a lot of money. He made, good for he him. Made a lot of money and good for him. Uh, my fifth up from Friday is going to be actually an up from all year, and I'm going to make it you guys who. This is our final uh, daily show. We're going to be going. Uh, I'm not supposed to rotating. laugh. At that. Sorry. Yeah, you can if you want. Uh, you can laugh if you want. Um, but I will say thank you guys very much. This the support you guys have shown me, Drew, and Ryan in our first year with RotoWire has been phenomenal. It has been made the adjustment from you know we worked for a different company for a very long time. We joined this company and. Uh, it has been smooth sailing and we cannot thank our coworkers enough. We can't thank you guys enough for all the positive comments, all the constructive feedback you've provided. It's been great on a personal note. Um, I lost my mom on Sunday and a bunch of you reached out. Um, a bunch of my coworkers at RotoWire reached out and offered their condolences. It's made this whole process a heck of a lot easier, um, but it's just been an awesome Awesome year. We can't wait to do it again next year. We're definitely going to be having some shows coming up as well. But in terms of the daily weekend shows, that's over. And it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience because of people like you. I love you, Chris. And yeah, thanks for too, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think these uh, Monday shows that us three in, in a rotation are going to be moving to, to Monday and looking back at the season you know talking about the postseason talking about headlines that we're going to keep the the content churning i think there'll be some really good discussions throughout october and throughout the winter it's going to be a, a it's going to be a crazy off season i think there are going to be a ton of like big time trades sure. i mean you, you've got some big franchises and big markets that did not have good years and are going to be panicking so it, it's going to be an active active winter and um it, it'll be cool. There's going to be a lot of lot of headlines to run through, and a, and a lot to analyze from this year. Um, being able to like take a step back and and look at the whole picture of it without drilling down on day to day stuff so much. I just hope I'm on the show when they sign Otani and Snell on the same day, and by they I mean the Seattle Mariners. Like I really hope that that's one of the days that I'm lined up for because um, you know, we'll clear a spot for you. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, before we go, let's offer some streaming options, Drew. Is there a particular oh, yeah. option to do that final day of the year? Um, in a uh, let's be honest, Drew, we had this competition and I just cleaned your clock. Yeah, I, what I think I I know that I had three wins, so you might have had like 20. <laughs> it, it was really bad, yeah, it's just I, bad luck. I actually like put some research into it too. If I had just you like too? not not cared then i'd feel better about it i guess um like this is not a great sunday for streaming options because the contenders aren't throwing their best or the, the people the teams that have already clinched aren't throwing their best starters if they do start like are the Orioles even going to start kyle bradish if, if he if they do he might go one inning either way like the there aren't many options there on the table Michael King stands out. He should be rostered in any league that's still churning, though. Got to like him against the Royals. I'm going to go with the not-so-confident play of 
Miles Michaelis. He threw seven innings of one run ball last time out against the Brewers in Milwaukee. Now back home in St. Louis to maybe put a, a positive capper on what has been a pretty bad season for Michaelis and obviously a bad season for the Cardinals overall. I wouldn't actually play him against the Reds who need this win to to stay alive. I mean, they're probably not really alive. Uh, but it's slim pickings on Sunday. So if you're really, really desperate, need maybe a couple Ks and hopefully some ERA and whip help. I wouldn't necessarily count on a win though. He could pitch deep. I don't know. Get Michaelis, but don't do it also. <laughs> yeah. This is a tough one. Like, like you're not using somebody like if you're assuming you're still playing, you're not using Jose arena. You're not going to be using no. um, some of these. You're not going to be using some of these other options. I will say, it would be great to say I want to use Zach Grinky in his final ever starts. I was thinking that, it, man. Do it. Yeah. Just throw it out and there. It, <laughs> it would. Be, you know what? I'll take Grinky. That's what I'll do, and I'll go with that because, man, I hope people don't hold this final season of one in fifteen with a five point one eight ERA against him too much. Because what a career that guy's had. And if I had a Hall of Fame vote, vote Hall of Fame vote, I just turned Canadian there for a second. If I had a Hall of Fame vote, it is hockey would, season. It is hockey season. Cannot wait. Uh, I would be voting for Zach Grinky. Would you be voting for Zach Grinky? Oh, man. Uh, get get back to me on that. Okay. All right. I'll, 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 I'll send I, you I a text. I just haven't, yeah, I, I haven't like, Maybe um the next Monday show that we do, I'll have a better answer. I, okay. I, I need to think about it. I got to compare his career to some others because, like the obvious, stuff. the obvious Hall of Fame starters from this generation, like Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, he's definitely well below them. Right. He's above Adam Wainwright, who's not getting in. No. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have like a Fair. good answer? I, I think, think it's in? I think it's a yes, just because I don't yeah. think you can tell baseball story without Zach Greinke. There are a couple of seasons here, and an I dig overall, that. I dig that narrative. Yeah, uh, the overall longevity of what he did with uh, the Dodgers for a few seasons, the Royals, mostly the start of his career, more so than the end of it for sure. But and you know he's one of the all time great Los Angeles Angels. There's no way in heck that you remembered that Zach Greinke pitched for the Los Angeles Angels. Is there? I can't. I mean, uh, yeah, of course I remember that. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. A uh, very interesting trade that obviously helped uh, Kansas City actually quite a bit, but or in Milwaukee too. But uh, very. Uh, I hope Grinky does well. I'll pick him as my starter, and you know what? I'm okay with that because no one has to upload the Saturday show if we are wrong. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We really appreciate your support. Like we said, you can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Drew at Drew Silf. We're still going to call it Twitter up until you know it becomes legally uh, not allowed. Thanks so much. Please hit like and subscribe. New episodes are coming. They won't be daily, but there will be new episodes. And we really, really appreciate your support. Best of luck to everybody who's in the fantasy playoffs right now. Uh, and go Notre Dame. Go oh, Irish.